Step Into My Office is a podcast filled with real conversations and interviews about entrepreneurship. Hosted by the founders of 135 Agency and built with black women in mind. If you like us, leave us a review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Now let's start the show. Hey, Seth. Hey. What's going on? I am great. So today we're going to talk about them finances. Okay. And that money. Um, so this is a topic that everybody on this, um, uh, everybody listening can can under, can relate to. So we're going to talk about two things here. We're going to talk about setting your own prices as a freelancer, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, and your vendor prices and what they quote you and what you pay your vendors. So let's talk about setting your prices. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm, I guess I don't know where to start. We should probably start with... Well, I mean... As I mean, we can start with reality, yeah, you know, let's because do that first. it's like a catch 22. I know when we first started out, we were very like insecure about mm-hmm. setting prices because we realized that people would just look at us and, and you decide know, be, what they were going to pay right, or, you know, that our, our, you know, our race or we looked too young and assigned a value based on bias and prejudice. Like mm-hmm. I'm, you know, these girls are just too young or you know, they can't possibly know um, or be worth this. I mean, it still kind of happens today. Oh, absolutely. Where even it doesn't matter what you say that your price is, they have already set in their mind that I'm only going to pay young black businesses this much because there's the idea that you're just not worth it. So, yeah, to me, that's the unfortunate part about that. So uh, the the problem is that um, when you're setting your prices and because it has everything to do with finances and economy, not to make race a part of every single experience and conversation, but it definitely has an influence on how much money you are going to make as a service provider, if service is your business. Now, if you have products to sell, you decide how much your product is worth and you decide you're going to pay, you're going to charge that price. Um, no one can walk in and say, hey, I don't want to pay $35 for this cake. I want to pay $25 because this is not a flea market. You get better at setting prices mm-hmm. as you mature in your business because initially, um, it, you know, I, I feel like when you, you don't know your price setting is emotional because you want your business to be successful. You want to make a certain dollar amount or be able to say at the end of the year, I generated this, but then reality sets in is that you start to find out how much does it cost to provide my business, to provide these services. Mm-hmm. So it really takes a lot of expertise and unfortunately, when, you know, entrepreneurs start businesses, they don't have advisors. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just starting it based on a dream, a passion or whatever, and mm-hmm. don't really take that time to do the research, to do that financial planning. That is so crucial. I remember mm-hmm. when I, you know, back in my day, I was baking <laughs> cakes and pies on, yes, I was on Food Network four times. Four Shout times, out. <laughs> youngins. And, I, and she won $10,000 at the Super Seafood Grill off in um, Napa Valley, California. I was there. Yes. And so I and had she a beat little, everybody. I had a little stint on the Today Show with Willard Scott, you know, the little uh, weather break. But anyway, my, my, um, so my, um, you know, emails and, you know, phone was blowing up after I was on national TV and people saying, how can I get that sweet potato pie? Which was what I had wanted a contest for. So it, I, I didn't know how to price it. I mean, honestly, who pays $40 for a pie? But that's exactly how much I was charging. And so, you know, especially with black people. Shit, they feel, paying 100 for patties. But, but I'm... <laughs> <laughs> 
no, no, that day has come and gone and you has know, it? no shade to the pie. But, you know, when I, you know, in the early 2000s had that pie situation, I didn't, you know, it cost me like $40 to make it. And it was like, OK, not many people are going to pay that. So then it's like the dilemma. Bottom line is that you really need to get sound counsel when it comes to setting your prices, because you have to understand what is the your profit margin? What you know is this even a viable business? If it's going to cost mm-hmm. way more than the consumer can afford, maybe you not, might need to rethink it, you know, or or look at other avenues. So that that right there that Saptosa just shared that's so important right there because that's a conversation that I wish we had had. 14 years ago when we started 135. So the thing about um, entrepreneurs is that you start your your business with a dream and very little money. (laughs) Most of the time, you don't have somebody who's injecting capital into your money, into your business or some, a CFO that's guiding all of your financial decisions. You're out there trying to make it work and get your piece of the pie. So the thing about it is that that number you're talking about right now, where it's like, okay, this is how much it costs me and this is how much I can pay, I can charge. That is margin. So everybody out there, if you're trying to start your business right now and you are not acutely aware of margin, you are going to suffer. You need to definitely make sure that whatever something costs you and you know exactly how much it costs, whether the circumstances are good, bad, the economy's good or bad, because that number fluctuates. Whatever that number is, if you're not charging enough on top of that to cover your expenses and make a little money, the business is going nowhere. Don't even do it. It's not worth it. You're working at cost or you're, you're losing money. And in which case you can't afford to lose money. Right. And there are businesses that exist that have like a very fractional profit margin, but they are funded by the volume or yeah, or they're, they, they have enough capital funds, resources, Mm -hmm. investors to stay afloat for whatever reason. Maybe it's a branding opportunity. I mean, what I'm not in, we're not in the restaurant business, but I've heard restaurants have Mm -hmm. very slim profit margins, Mm -hmm. but they are able to get, you know, some of the resources, at least the the bigger restaurants, you know, to get, you know, goods at a cheaper rate Mm -hmm. than maybe the the smaller um, uh, restaurants. I guess there, I mean, you know, there are ways to go about it, but, you know, Pick your industry wisely. Definitely. You know, like, it, yes, you know, we always have a dream. We are never dream killers. But you also have to do that legwork and research because it's going to save you money and heartache in the long run. And the truth is, is that whatever the, the sometimes you don't feel like you can choose your industry. You feel like it chose you. Because God get blessed you with this superhuman talent. You don't know why you cook this good. You don't know why you bake this well. You don't know why you're so creative. You don't have any ideas, just a God-given talent. In which case, the industry, you're guided towards, God God is guiding your steps towards a certain industry and a way for you to make money. Um, but what you have to think about is how you can provide your service or product at a decent margin. So Saptosa just brought up the restaurant business. In the restaurant business, the, you'll notice that a lot of restaurants, they start selling products. They'll sell their salad dressing. They'll sell their cheesecake. And out, they'll try to get into retail locations so that you don't have to come into their store to try to, Additional to purchase it. Right. Mm-hmm. Cheesecake Factory is doing really well with all of these different Cheesecake Factory products. There's even a Coffee Mate flavor in Cheesecake Factory. Did you know that? I just Mm-mm. saw that yesterday. No. So, I'm you stri- know. strictly black coffee. <laughs> oh, no yeah, that's no right. Sugar. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I can't do that. <laughs> that sounds like torture. No. Um, so, the, you know, the, the, what you want to do is start figuring out 
about all the different ways that you can create generate revenue doing whatever you do. You cannot have a business where, you know, you're so good at it and it's great, but it, the marketplace doesn't have an appetite to pay what you want to charge. That right there is the recipe for disaster. You and, and a lot of people, if you're like the rest of us, you're borrowing from your life savings to start a business. You are borrowing from your home. You don't have money to 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 lose. You ain't you don't have the Donald Trump special yeah. where your dad writes you a check. That's not happening for a lot of folks. So you have to make sure you do your research and choose wisely. Wouldn't it be great if rappers took the same mentality. You remember years ago when they had that Asian rapper who he got really hot. This was like a long time ago. I don't even remember his name. Wait, was he signed to Rough Riders? I don't know. Jin. Absolutely. And he was really great. He was, uh, you know, a lyricist, great at freestyling. And then he had his moment, but, you know, he bowed out and he mm -hmm. publicly said because, you know, it just was a moment. It wasn't making sense, mm -hmm. financial sense, even. Um, and he was signed um, to Rough Riders and then nothing happened after that. But even Chameleonaire, he got out of mm -hmm. the business and then made has made a fortune in the tech world because it didn't make fiscal sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, creative. I just read that he's partnering with somebody to do a VC fund. It's always something like with this him. past I mean, week. He, he's really I mean, mm -hmm. he's. You know, I think almost a decade and maybe over a decade into tech and made some really smart decisions mm -hmm. in that industry, but played to his strengths mm -hmm. um, instead of hanging in. Because, you know, same thing the, with Ryan Leslie, the the music business model is not for most artists is profitable at all profitable. Actually, you if you decide to get out of it or if you're forced out, you're going to be forced out with in, in debt. So, I mean, you know, again, That's though, but it's the same thing. Like if you're looking at all of the costs for for me to make an album, promote an album for me to tour and, and, and do all of these things. And then what, what what am I making from this album? Um, mm -hmm. Am I even making anything? Because, you know, if unless you're at a certain level, you can do whatever performance. That's not going to make you any money. Nobody knows who you are. So, I mean, if we had, I mean, this analysis isn't just for, you know, your your agency or mom and pops or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's a model for us as capitalists in this society to mm -hmm. be a lot smarter about our the decisions we make. Definitely. I mean, we live in the U.S., which means that every single financial decision is under the umbrella of capitalism. And we need to get better at playing this game. And the first way you do that is by understanding what margin is for every little thing that you do. And as you grow your business. And so let's talk about raising your prices. For those of you who are already in business and you have a set fee, um, or you sell your products at a certain number, when is the right time to raise your prices and how do you not repel the current clients and have them run away from you um, in droves? So the thing about your, um, your raising your prices is that it is very mental. So just like the selling of the products and um, the positioning of the brand, when it's time to raise your prices, you have to be as strategic in your messaging about why you need to raise prices as you are about going to get the client. And uh, client, customer, whoever it is, people, no one wants to pay more for the same thing. And you can't say, oh, well, my costs increased. They don't care about that. They're like, well, I've been paying $20 for this and that's what I'm going to pay. What you need to do is start positioning your brand or serve your product or service like there's a premium that's added to it. This is now a more valuable commodity because I did this and that's why it costs more. And if you still want it, 
then that's what the the the, the price is. Trust me, it is a whole lot easier for your for your clients, your customers, whoever you sell to, to pay a little bit more if they feel like, well, I'm getting this additional value out of it. You know what I mean? But don't just say, oh, you know what, it costs me more. So yeah, I'm, you're gonna pay more for the same thing. They don't want to hear that. You wouldn't want to hear it either. Think about how you think about things. If you're yeah. used to paying. $25 for something and then today is 45 you want to know why yeah but I also think um, as entrepreneurs we have to stand behind our decisions to raise our prices mm -hmm. and not feel insecure that you know all of a sudden our clients are going to jump ship because that insurance that you you know that you want to make sure that whatever natural fluctuations in business because entrepreneurs you too have a right to raise your fees you yes, don't you have do. just because you're a small business doesn't mean that you have to stay in in one space inflation is a thing if you spend and invest your time in especially if you're a service-based business if you invest 24 7 into delivering for the client mm -hmm. delivering successful outcomes you know being accommodating being a true partner when it when it's time to reevaluate those prices, they will ride with you nine mm -hmm. times out of ten because the value isn't just on the dollar figure. The value is on how are you showing up for them, mm -hmm. how are you making them look good, uh -huh. and because if they are any you know wise, um, if they're any wiser, they would know that. Um, you know, good service is hard to find. Oh, yes. Good, you know, good partners are hard to find. I mean, we've had long, we, you know, have had a long term relationship with the Oprah Winfrey Network and they have really, um, they understand the value of the service that we provide. And we've had to come, you know, to a point where we've had to re, you know, evaluate our contract and they have, they see the value of the service and we are still working with them, you know, eight years later. So mm -hmm. you got to stand firm. You cannot be shy. You have to be confident in what you're delivering. Uh, and understand that if they do decide to go somewhere and get it cheaper, that must mean that the way is being opened mm -hmm. for newer and bigger opportunities. Not that you lost anything, but you're, you're, the slate is clearing for, you know, whatever, you know, is, uh, I don't know, owed to you, but whatever is meant for mm -hmm. you is coming your way. And the truth is, is that, you know, when if a client chooses to walk away when you increase the fee for something, that that is a, a giant um, reminder and uh, and really notice of how much they value the service or did, or not, did value. not value. And so for some people, you know, especially when you're in a service based business, right? A lot of folks are always focused on delivering a specific result. But if the the pathway to the result was bumpy, the process wasn't right, and you're like, oh, but I delivered on the result. I got you this. And they're like, yeah, but I had to sweat every single second through it. It was not headache-free. People pay for headache-free experiences because they don't want to have to be worried and biting their nails to make sure that we're going to make it to the finish line with a satisfactory result. So always remember that because the process and the, the headache the level of headache associated with working with you, that right there will affect your ability to raise your prices. Like, for example, I live in Harlem. Um, and uh, most people who are listening to this podcast, if you know me, then you've probably been somewhere in Harlem with me. There are certain places where I know what to expect in the service level. So I, you know, I just make that concession because the food is good. I value the food. <laughs> and so I am willing to endure the service issue. But there wait, has to be value okay, somewhere wait, or wait, another. Wait, wait, Shantae. Yes. 
I, I mean, the food in Harlem is great, but some of the service, I mean, That's it's my a point. little, but I'm saying it's, it, it's an extreme. Oh yeah. That service is one thing. All out ratchetry and disrespect foolery is mm -hmm. another. Absolutely. And that can't be excused. And I don't know why they reserve all of that for Harlem. I'm sorry. I, I, not all of it. <laughs> well, we don't have all of it, but we do have some of it. Okay, so but who, listen. So what server do anybody... you know? What server do you know quits oh, yes. in the middle of taking your order? That. Okay. <laughs> so that actually did happen to us back in 2006. We went to Wimps when it moved onto 125th Street. We were on a double date. You said and the name. Went, I'm sorry, because did they open up a new Wimps? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> this actually did happen, though. We, I'm, I'm the Harlem resident, so I'm raving to everybody about the fact that the food is delicious, the fried chicken and this and that. And we go um, with on a, a, I won't even call it a double date. We just happen to be with date. the people that we were dating at the time. We go and we sit down. The restaurant has no one in there. We are the only ones. So you would think service should be, you right. know, on point. Right. And we sit upstairs and we sit upstairs and we sit and we sit and we sit for about 25 minutes. So then we have to call the, the manager and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, we're like, is anybody going to come over here? We haven't seen anybody yet. It's a little dark in here. Like, it's just us. And so then a girl comes out and she says, can she take our order? And that was bananas because everything about her said, I hate this job. I hate you for asking me to take your order. And why am I doing this? So she starts to write. And literally, she says, I'm tired of this effing shit. And she takes her apron off and lays it across our table. And she walks out of there. And that was her quitting her job at our table. And we were like, did that just happen? And this is after their Oprah look. This is after Gail King took a roaming camera into wimps went upstairs gave them the oprah look the look that transforms businesses and there was no one in there and they probably lasted for maybe like another month and then they closed down but even still they probably so bad. closed down not because of bad service but maybe because of something that what you know the word was the, out about the bad no, service no because they're well there's not a every business in harlem is not definitely like that but there are restaurants that exist in you know this country that stay open i mean i mean i you know i can say this because i'm half jamaican but jamaican restaurants are notorious for horrible service and <laughs> they be <laughs> popping okay i'm not gonna name no names because i don't want to drive by food right but you know it's almost maybe it's cultural they say the worse the service the better the food so that's what, so she just circled back to my point. I kind of did. When you are, she, she just circled right back around to my original point, which was, if you're going to raise the prices on anything, you have to think about why a person would come in and pay that. I am willing to come in and pay that money, even though the service is not that great because of the value of the food. You know what I'm saying? So there's something in it that incentivizes for you to want to actually part with your money but you have to think that same exact way when you are soliciting everybody's selling something these days right because instagram is a giant platform for you to sell the moon to the stars so you can you can create something and go ahead and sell it but most people aren't thinking to themselves what is the value that i am creating um, that makes people want to part with their money. Like right now, one of the biggest hustles out there is these manuals that teach you how to be an Instagram influencer or manuals that teach you how to master social media and manuals that teach you how to build your brand. Or these seminars, All these of them. Um, empowerment seminars, mm -hmm. these branding, brand, brand, 
your personal brand uh, seminar. I mean, you know. It's- and these will come at a hefty price. Mm-hmm. Now, most people, they'll do it at least once. But after they get on there and they realize that it's a bunch of bullshit, then later they'll come to, like when we did our webinars, we had plenty of people who were like, this isn't a hustle, right? Because they no, have been hustled not, be- so badly. Well, how could they say that? Because it was free, first it, of all. Right. What, what, what we hustling? <laughs> but that, I do remember that one guy was mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm not going to say the name, but he was like, listen, I'm not trying to do this again. Mm-hmm. I mean, time costs money, too. It so, does. you know, they could be they could have been like, you know, I don't want to waste time any more time on this. There's everybody selling you an education on Instagram, even though they haven't fully learned it themselves. But they're selling it because they feel like they can convince you to part with your money. Well, what's what's your what's your opinion on discounting? Like, you know, um, is there a time for to, you know, to to ever is there ever a reason to discount and you know i know we've done that before multiple times but we're always doing it it's a strategic move it's not just like we're doing it because we like you but it's like okay maybe they don't have the budget for this campaign but they have a lot of potential relationships that we can benefit from if they agree to do some connections and introduce us that's some a lot of times worth more than the actual um money that we're discounting but i don't know sometimes you know you got to be smart about it what do you think i i I don't i mean the word discount makes me uncomfortable because you know obviously for obvious reasons (laughs) like when you have a when you have a service-based business discounting is completely different because it takes manpower hours and every hour is a hell of a lot more expensive than it is when you're Mm -hmm. selling something that's on the shelf So that discount has to be a true investment into a relationship that will pay in the future, either in business or just as a long term relationship with an ally who is like minded and can you can you guys can be collaborative. But when it comes to products, you know, one of these this is my biggest lesson in um, launching Eloise and Ethel a year ago, Um, e-blast culture. And um, social media culture has made it so that you really don't have a choice in terms of discounting. And if I at first I was like, why? Is, I mean, the, the, the customer is you so used to promo codes and discounts that if you don't have it, you really won't see as much traction. And the reason why is because everyone is out there discounting all the time. You're getting bombarded with e-blasts, with discounts from Williams-Sonoma to Macy's to everybody with promo code for this and promo code because it's Tuesday and promo code because it's Christmas and promo code because it's a new year. And so the customer has now trained to wait. I'm just going to wait until I get a promo code over email. Mm -hmm. So now everyone's discounting and they don't shop without a discount. So, you know, it's it's different. Um, But I still believe that when you even when you're selling products and things like that, it's really all about what you're selling and if what how much the customer is going to value it. It's all about the branding and the positioning. If you make it like it's something that they can't live without. So, you know, that that speaks to the disruption of the retail industry and um, Amazon. I mean, I haven't seen any promo codes for it. Do they do that? Amazon is a promo code. Right. It's, a, it's already <laughs> deeply discounted, right. so they don't do it. But, you know, they're winning Amazon the retail Prime, yeah. wars. Yeah. Honestly, it's it's like, you know, what Walmart used to be to every business in a certain radius. Mm-hmm. Amazon is now to the entire retail industry. Yeah, I mean, you know, one day we'll be able to set those Amazon prices. Exactly. And have people, you know, pulling up to our website you know, demanding, you know, uh, our, our, our services and our business. But yeah, setting your prices is definitely something that it takes a lot of 
wisdom, uh, research, uh, and practice, and you will get it right at some point. It's very natural to kind of be a little bit bumpy at first, but if you equally invest your energy into providing a quality service that no one can deny, you'll find your way when it comes to setting prices. Also, um, whatever business offering you have, you need to you need to master the cost of doing business. There are so many people, when I watch Shark Tank or when I watch The Profit or any of these shows, Bar Rescue, any of these shows where you have a professional come in and try to help someone save their business, there are so many people who don't know how much it costs to be in business. They don't realize that they're spending every single cent that comes in because they haven't put on paper, how much does it cost me to do business every 30 days? How much is inventory? How much is staffing? How much is insurance? How much are every single thing you need to have that? And that's, you, you can't talk about raising rates or setting prices until you know what that number is. That's your guiding light right there. How much does it cost me to do business? Now, can I make more money? To Saptosa's point about baking, I wanted to do a dessert table company. Eloise and Ethel was originally a dessert table company back in 2013. I did three tables. It cost $1,500 a table because you want to get all of the colored chocolates. You want to do the, you know, the candy jars and all of this, you know, beautiful artwork and little decorations and all of that. And by the time you're finished getting heavy ass um, materials like butter, egg, sugar, and all of that design time, decorations, setup, and all of that. And I dare you to find a person, a person out there who thinks a $500 or $1,000 dessert table is, is a good deal. They don't. People, the marketplace is just not ready to pay more than that for a table. So it was a loss. And I was like, okay, the margin on this is non-existent. Let me move on. Um, I wanted to do something to honor my great-grandmother and grandmother, and I needed to find a business that was actually going to work. So l let's talk to, let, let, let's have this conversation about vendors because nine out of 10 times, no matter what kind of business you have, you are going to need to hire your own set of vendors. Whether if it's a service-based company and you have to hire um, photographers, videographers, um, you know, uh, AV people, um, uh, if you have to hire more service providers to to um, expand your reach in the marketplace, or if it's a store and you need to hire people to do stock and inventory, people to clean the store, people to um, to to take care of things like lighting and all of that. How do you decide what vendor you're going to hire? So that's a really difficult question to ask and answer. And actually, I'm, I'm, I'm. I, you can hear me Is thinking out loud. I think it's so. Not difficult. Uh, here's here's the reason why I think it's difficult because as black people, because all my stuff is going to be through the filter of, of a, the black experience, a lot of times our instinct is to go straight for the cheapest. And when we go straight for the cheapest, we pay a big price. Because then your business looks badly because you went for the cheapest thing and the person who's offering the service at a super ridiculous discount and people who think, oh, I got that for nothing. They also got half-assed service, something that didn't make them look good and probably pissed the client off and now you have to go invest money in repair. And we have made that mistake. Mm -hmm. We went for the cheaper creative vendor and then had to go and spend more on a more expensive creative mm -hmm. vendor because that person just did not do 
anything that we could represent with the client. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's why it's hard because I always tell any vendor that I work with, I'm not going to set your prices. You're going to tell me how much the, the fee is. And if I can do it, I'll do it. If I can't, I won't. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of times um, when people are young and inexperienced, they look at you and your face for you to tell them what they should be charging. I'm not doing that. No, what are you going to charge? Of somebody that probably hasn't been in business that long. I mean, I don't like working hiring vendors that are saying oh i'll do it for free that's oh, like yes. that's a no-no Trap. because i have to be able to rely on you d- well did i have to be able to dictate what i want mm-hmm. and not feel like any moment now you're gonna say i don't want to do this i'm not getting paid for this mm-hmm. so you know i'd rather just pay for the service and let's just keep it very business and impartial so that you know if we hit a bump in the road I'm, you know, asserting my Mm -hmm. rights as a customer or as a client to be able to demand, you Mm -hmm. know, proper service, proper deliverables. So, I mean, it is a lot of this is it just comes with wisdom because you're absolutely right about trying to go cheapest. And then you learn, you know, cheaper isn't always better. And so, you know, it really does take a minute to find the right groove mm-hmm. in vendors, somebody that, are, you know, is reliable. Actually, reliability to me is the key factor in keeping any vendor around because especially as a service, and we do a lot of events, these events and our clients, um, there's just a delicate relationship there. And if anything goes wrong, clients are looking for a person to blame and we have to absorb the accountability like a sponge. So we're only as good as our vendors. We're only as, you know, on point as the people that are working with us to make it happen. So, I mean, it, it does, you know, come with wisdom in terms of picking the right folks. So after a while you price out and you learn the cost of getting it done the right way Mm -hmm. and you budget and set your price Accordingly, if it's going to cost you more to do this because, you know, on the back end, you have to have the best of the best and the best of the best ain't cheap. Mm -hmm. Then you have to go back to the client and say, hey, client, this is the cost of doing business. So your cost has to go up. I know agency B is charging a cheaper rate, but I ain't worried about them. Mm -hmm. This is what it costs. And all of this long line, this 14, 15 years of track record of doing good work mm-hmm. is my credibility to justify me charging this for you. I mean, so that's how you, the, the mentality you have to approach it with. Most definitely. And then one more thing is that when you're thinking about your vendors, right? One of the things that I really hate to see is when when we don't treat each other the right way. And that that client vendor relationship, we are both the client and the vendor in several relationships. Mm-hmm. We make sure to have a mutual respect in both relationships. Mm-hmm. If we're the client, we show the the um, the vendor that we use respect. And when we are servicing our clients as a vendor, we make sure that respect is a part of the issue. If I have the opportunity to buy black, you don't have to even question. I'm always going to go for that, no mm-hmm. matter what. Um, and that's just my personal philosophy. I'm never going to try to make sure that I have to get a discount if I do business with a black vendor, if I'm not asking other people for that very same 
fee. For some reason, when we see each other, there's a lack of respect for the for the, the service offering or the product, and we expect a discount. This is not a flea market. If you don't walk into Bergdorf Goodman or Barney's and say, this is how much I want to pay for this Christian Louboutin shoe, then don't come to me telling me what you want to pay. When you go to the flea market, you can negotiate. When you see black vendors, have respect for that. When you are a when you are the vendor, have respect for that relationship as well. Don't always assume somebody is going to offer you a discount yeah. or they're going to get you to low low. No low low no no. One of the, this is not a flea market. One of the worst arguments I've ever had with a guy was about his comment when he said. I don't want to hire, I don't work with black businesses because they're always on some bullshit. And I said, excuse me. I mean, I know we met on Tinder, but <laughs> did you know I'm a black business as well? And so, you know, we got into a real knockdown. It was verbal drag. Uh, oh, I was about to say out. knockdown. Who was well, this person? Well, <laughs> just, yeah, argument about that. And I'm like, mm -hmm. you're, I, I'm having to tell you how to have pride in black businesses and not to adopt this stereotype mm -hmm, that they're subpar. <laughs> right. That's why they want to pay. People right. want to pay less because they assume you can't possibly be as good as the mainstream. But that's bullshit. Yeah. And remember the cost of doing business. You got to you have to master that. You have to have your Ph.D. in exactly how much it costs you to provide that service. Hey, you love step into my office. Subscribe now and leave us a review. Got a business question for Shantae or Saptosa? Use hashtag step into my office. That's hashtag step into my office. And if you have video or podcast production needs, visit verse2media.com. That's verse, T-W-O, media.com. Now back to step into my office. Okay, so it's about that time. I really enjoyed that conversation. Um, and now it's time for our black girl boss moment. So our black girl boss of the day is Beyonce because she is so amazing and flawless and fabulous and love her. Um, she doesn't always get credit for her business moves and taking control of her career early. Um, just because a person is a performer on stage does not mean that they don't rock the boardroom as well. Um, she launched Parkwood Entertainment initially to produce her own videos and films, and now it's a full-fledged entertainment, comp entertainment company um, with a staff and um, a, a you know what they're doing with Chloe and Hallie and and all kinds of stuff. It's it's amazing. Um, she launched her apparel brand Ivy Park in 2016 with Topshop. When the company's CEO had a Me Too moment, she went ahead and brought her out brought out his shares and retain full ownership of Ivy Park. She recently announced that she is taking Ivy Park over to Adidas, um, a new partnership with them. She's also co-owner of Title Streaming Service, um, and Forbes estimates her net worth at four to $500 million. You know, and the power couple that they make, I think they are worth well over a billion dollars. You know, mom, sister, daughter, auntie, wife, all around amazing human being. I would, I've been saying this for years, but I think the hardest working woman in business, like no one works harder. I get tired just thinking about how hard this girl works. <laughs> She's kind of amazing and always an inspiration. Beyonce, for being a black girl boss, we salute you. Yeah, this is this another great conversation. This was fun in particular because, you know, pricing is like that's a thing with us and over the l last few years. But I can't wait to hear the comments. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid to hear the comments, but OK. Not me. Bring it on. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye.